Welcome to Career Tools. This week, covering for a colleague, Chapter 2, what to do when they return. Here we go. Folks, when your colleague comes back, uh, it would help to know his or her disk profile so you, you can communicate with them in a way that made sense to them. The way you could do that is by getting a portion of our Effective Relationships cast, 32 casts, about every possible permutation and combination of disk and boss and subordinate there possibly can be. Check it out. Okay, so we're going to continue our series on covering somebody when they're out, which is important in terms of session planning and vacation, which matters. Yeah. And I suspect most people probably cover while people are out, but there's no handoff and so on. And so things end up falling through the cracks, not because they weren't done while they were gone, but because the handoff was crummy. Yeah. And a lot of pe people either want to kind of ditch it, like, oh, I'm done with this. And, they, and the people that are coming back are like, right, I'm raring to go. And because there's no handover, it does. It just goes messy. Okay. So what's our agenda? Okay. So first of all, create a summary. Before, uh, we're going to create a summary of all the things that have happened. We're going to go over the, the log that we were keeping. We're going to go over our email. And we're going to be prepared to be there for the, rec the rest of the week or for the next week. You have a week-long handoff is what you're saying. Yeah. You've got to be prepared to be there to answer questions. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Okay. So you said create a summary. Yeah, because when you go on vacation, you know what it's what it's like. You're you know there on the beach, and then it seems like the next minute you're back in the office, and you're trying to catch up with everything that's gone on, and what's you know everyone's saying hi, how was your holiday, how was your vacation, and there's emails and there's projects, and you you know there's colleagues have been doing things, and it all seems to be happening all at once. So. If you've been covering for that for a person, then you want to be gentle with them and not give them everything all at once. So we're going to start by creating a one-page summary of everything that happened in the week or the two weeks if they've been on vacation or the longer time if they've been off ill and try and give them a gentle introduction. Yeah, I think one page is important too. You don't want a, a compendium. You don't want a diary. You don't want a blow-by-blow. Blow. You want a one-page overview. Um, there's going to be some stuff that you did that they never know about that was details or minor or whatever. And the, the purpose of the summary is to give them a handle on what happened, not everything that happened, but what happened that was important enough that they still might need to know about it several days after it happened. It kind of gives them the map of where they are when they get back. Right. Not every single detail, not GPS coordinates, but a good general high-level map. So what's an example, maybe? Uh, well, how you divide the page will depend on... You could divide it by project or by customer or by activity. It kind of depends what your job is and, and what your colleague does. But divide it whichever way makes sense to you. As an example, we um, picked a project. So we might say, we might have written on our one sheet, and it, it should be written so that the person can read it later because they're not going to take it on all at once. Yeah. And by the way, you could send an email, but you print out the email, you take it to them and say, look, let's go over it. Yeah, Absolutely. So we might say Project Theta, all last week's tasks are green. Jim has some concerns about resources for the next phase, but he's been lobbying Jamie for some additional backup resource from his team. We're waiting for Jamie to come back to us. Jill and Susan resolved the database performance issue that you were worried about last week. The weekly report went up to Mike and there's a copy of it in your email. The team worked well and are expecting to have all their, green t all their tasks green this week. So the person knows that there may be a problem with the resources, so he's got that as a concern, that the problem that he was worrying about, the performance issue that he was worrying about before he went on vacation, that's been solved. Right. 
and it was green last week and and it's green coming yeah. up so he's not going to worry about any he doesn't have to do a sweating heavy breathing task review of every single task because you've told him at a high level it's done absolutely and it might be that you know you have three projects like that and then one that's like blown up yeah and then also you would translate translate into american you say project theta not theta in the same way that you would say beta <laughs> yeah. and not beta i just i'm just as an example <laughs> right trying to be helpful all right good okay so you're going to put that together in a document a one pager high level by the way i i asked for one pages for people and i get three pagers and they say i felt like more would be better i'm like gee whiz i here i speak french why are you speaking czechoslovakian i don't i don't get that doesn't make sense to me. One pager, guys. You, you start giving somebody five pages, it's going to sit on their desk and not get read. Okay, but then you go over the log. Yeah. So one of the things we told you in the last cast about covering, when we talked about the work that you were going to do, we recommended that you kept a log of all of the things that you did, the decisions you made, what you named the files, and so on. And that's partly so you can remember what you did when somebody asks you or when your colleague asks you, and it's partly so that he can see what you did if he needs to know the detail. And depending on what kind of person he is, he may want to go through every single line and have you explain it, and he may just want to quickly read through it and make sure he understands it, depending on disk styles, right? The high Cs will want to go through the detail, and the high Ds will be like, yeah, I got it. And one of the things when I was writing this cast, I was thinking about was how's the best way to do this. And I think the best way to do it is don't make him do what you would do. Do it the way that he would want to do it. Partly because there'll be, you know, is always the best way to do things. Yeah. Classic discs. People have different communication styles. You should know the people around you. We recommend you know the people around you's communication styles. Communicate in a way that makes sense to them particularly when they're on edge a little bit about what happened and they, this is important to them. They want to know if any bombs blew up or stuff like that. So far better to reduce the chances of miscommunication by translating in your head into their language rather than expecting them to do the translation. Yeah. There's a real opportunity for friction there and it's a good time to practice doing something in somebody else's style. Okay. In the order or... In the log, I would go over probably on a time base because that's probably how the logs look. So you'd start with Monday and go to Friday. But again, as a high D, I'd be like, right, I've got it. it yeah. It's written down there. That's fine. Yeah, that's I don't good. need to look at it. Yeah. And, and the high C who's briefing the high D, right? The high C who's briefing the high D is going to say, let's go over it line by line. And the high D is going to go, no, really, I got it. I'm good. And if I have any questions, <laughs> exactly. I'll let you know. And guys, don't beat a dead horse. Okay, don't do that. And you high Ds. If the high C sits down, has a cup of coffee, and says, okay, go over it, let's go over it line by line, your job as a high D covering for him or her is not done. And you have to go over it line by line. Or we recommend you go over it line by line. All right, now we're also going to go over the email, right? Yeah, so we're going to look at their email. So the plan was that we were going to have access to their email and create these folders in their email. If you didn't do that and the emails are in your uh, email, then you can look at the folders on your email system. But we had three folders, actioned, not actioned, and not urgent. So hopefully it's obvious why we're not going to look at the not urgent emails yeah, first. Yeah. Uh, we're going we're gonna to leave those for later and probably not even talk about them because if they're not urgent, they're probably also not important. And then we're going to look at the stuff that's not actioned. Because 
If you've actioned something, the person's probably thinking, well, I trust him, it's probably okay. But the not action stuff, the stuff that you couldn't do for her, she's probably worrying about. So you want to start with that stuff. Yeah. And again, we're going to try to let them have some input into how they're getting this information rather than doing it in a way that makes sense to us. Yeah, I've been reading um, a bunch of kind of problems that are like a bit like our forums, you know, when people come and say, this situation is happening to me and I don't know what to do. And the answer to like 75% of them is go ask the person. Yeah. You don't sit there and, and wonder why your boss is doing X, Y, and Z or seems to be having closed door meetings without you and you're worried that you're about to lose your job. Don't sit there worrying. You just go ask. And it may be that they can't tell you, but... I don't understand this. I think asking people is it's a habit we should get into. I think the other thing that makes a lot of forms, this is an aside, but a lot of Q&As, a lot of places where people ask for guidance, even about technical stuff, although you see it less in technical forums, is they describe how they feel or what they perceive to have happened rather than what actually happened. And yes, perception affects it, but they don't talk about behavior. And you end up getting people describing how they would feel and what that would cause them to do if they felt the way that person did, which, of course, if they have a different style than that person, they're going to do something different. And it's no wonder that people say, gee, that didn't work or I, I didn't like your, your guidance. And far too often, I think that people don't recognize they need to be specific. They need to describe behavior, what actually happened. They need to be willing to be asked questions in a situation like this where you're briefing somebody. And you need to be understanding that some people, look, if you, if, if you had covered for me while I was on vacation for two weeks, I'd send a, I'd send a text message on my, on the way back to the house and say, everything good? Anything I need to know about? And you'd probably send back, nope, all good. And I would never look at the stuff again. And then two days later, somebody would say, oh, yeah, we did that last week. I'm like, yeah, okay. And that doesn't make me bad, guys. I know the high seas just rolled over in their graves, right? That doesn't make me <laughs> bad. I, it doesn't make me good either. It just makes me me, right? So you've got to let your colleague give you some guidance about how she wants to review the information. Yeah. And stop guessing about people's motivations. Like, just because they want to go through it line by line doesn't mean that they don't trust you. It just means they're a detail person. Yeah. And if they don't want to go through it line by line, it's not that they're blowing off your help for the last week. If I say to a high C, you don't need to brief me, I got it. I'm fine. What I'm saying is, I know you covered everything. Thank you. If I go through it line by line with you, it means I got serious issues. There's a lack of trust there. Or if you're going over line by line with me, what you're saying is you need to know every single detail, even though you don't want to, which immediately causes me to go, wow, this must be bad. All because we're doing what makes sense to us and not what makes sense to the audience. And that's why I think at the top of this cast, we had uh, an ad about effective relationships, as I recall. <laughs> yeah, dude, we did. <laughs> yeah. Okay. And then we've got to do a little bit of transition for the next week. Yeah, so even, you know, if you go through everything, even if you go through it all in detail, they've got the one-page summary, they've got the log, they've got their emails separated out, it's not helpful to think that you're done once you've done all that. So like, oh, thank God I can go back to my own job. It doesn't really work that way. Like we said, the first morning back after a vacation is completely, you know, there's all sorts of things going on. 
and it may be that the, that person has questions or can't remember what you said about something or, you know, wants to review a conversation that you had before he goes and follows up with a customer or whatever. And so you don't expect that Monday morning, I've talked to this person for an hour, we're done. Expect to have questions during probably during the week it doesn't usually take longer than that unless you've been on off for a really long time but yeah are we, are we- there's not a hard bright line at the stoppage of your coverage it generally fades away yeah and it fades away when the person stops at the person whom you covered for stops asking you questions and if you're waiting for that hard bright line you're doing it a service and roles reversed you want them to be able to answer questions two days later when you didn't check the details and suddenly the details biting you in the tail. Absolutely. Yeah. Here's my, my take on this. And I, I got a comment from somebody saying, yeah, Mark, you did a cast recently about covering for a colleague and it didn't really resonate with me. I said, well, that's good to know. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and this is one of those, this is one of those things that high performing organizations do that aren't visible. You know, you read about companies uh, in Fortune or Business Week or Wall Street Journal or The Economist or whatever, and they're always writing about dramatic things, big things, profitable things, unprofitable things, things where people lose their jobs or people get a big promotion or somebody does something untoward or, or um, in a gray area, um, because that's what sells advertisements and magazines. But this is the kind of stuff that happens day in and day out. Constantly. The analogy I have for this, and I know I've shared it a couple of times, and I'm sure on Career Tools once or twice, is when two helicopter pilots are flying a helicopter, when it's a two-seater piloting situation, there's a process they go through when one person is piloting the plane and the other one, other one is going to take it over. And if I'm the pilot and Wendy's the co-pilot, I'm flying the, the, the helicopter. I have a hand on the stick and the hand on the collective which i think is like a power thing and the stick is the thing that causes me to go left and right and back and forth and i have two hands and i also have feet on the pedals as well and um, while i'm flying it wendy then does the same thing with her set of controls and she says i have it and i still have control and now she has control at the same time. And it's a fairly light control. You don't do this while you're making a hard bank turn, <laughs> obviously. And then I say, you have it, okay? And we're not done yet. She said she's got it. And, and what most people would do is say, oh, she's got it. I can let go. Well, that's not the standard. It's not even the standard that she says, I have it. And I say, you have it. And then I let go. That's not the standard. The standard is she says, I have it. I say, you have it. And then she says, I have it again. It's positive control. It's clarity. You have to hear it twice if you're the pilot, original pilot in command. And only when the co-pilot or the other pilot who's taking over has said, I have it twice, interspersed with you saying you have it, do you finally let go. And these things happen quietly. If you're in the back of the helicopter, you don't even notice it. They're talking to one another and it's effortless. That's what professionals do. These kinds of transitions where you cover for somebody, this is how professional organizations are run. 
They don't have classes they go to about this. This is how professionals take care of one another. Now, oh, a professional or two here or there might do it a little bit different or say, you know, I would just send a series of daily digest emails and so on. Well, it's been our experience working with people that daily digest emails don't get read. If I have seven or 14 of them, I'm not going to read seven or 14 daily digest emails. We, the vast majority of people, even high C's, won't do that. Or if they do it, it takes them a day to read it while they're also trying to get back in the saddle, which doesn't work. You need what amounts to a shorter briefing period followed by a longer follow-up period. Now, these things are uninteresting. They're boring. They're undramatic. Like we say all the time about good management, it's not sexy, it's not pretty, but it works. Your career is supposed to be undramatic. Now, of course, you get promoted to CEO or you get a seat on a board. Well, that's fairly dramatic and your family would be happy for you. You might even get written up in the paper. But great careers, right? You, you don't want to go talk to the guy who's always got his hair on fire. You want to talk to the person who's calmly, steadily going about their work and producing results. This is how organizations let people go on vacation. It's how people get to go on special projects. And when, when you have five people and everybody's fully busy and then your boss says, I need one of your guys, give me your best guy, they're going to be on a special project, a lot of visibility, and you say, well, wow, I want Robert to be on this special project. And now you're, you're shorthanded, you have four people. This is what happens. Somebody picks up Robert's responsibilities. This is how professional organizations do it. And maybe, you, again, you tinker on the edges a little bit, but fundamentally, this is how it happens all over the place in high-performing organizations. And what always amazes me about this is this happens in great organizations, and nobody notices that somebody's missing other than, yeah, they, the people on the team know that Robert's gone. But the work gets picked up. Now, interestingly enough, some of the work across the five people's responsibilities is not getting done. Everybody's dropping a little bit. Or if everything is getting done, that shows you how expansible the capacity of your team was and the fact that you probably didn't have them doing enough before, as long as they're not getting burnt out if they're having to do it for six months at a time. This is how organizations, and I know this sounds terrible, but I'm, it, but it's a, an apt analogy. This is how organizations go through layoffs and suddenly a team of 10 is seven and the workload doesn't change and suddenly the work gets done. Now, a couple of things get dropped, but nobody notices because we have a reason. We lost three people, 30% of our team, and the stuff we dropped really wasn't all that important, but people defended it. Uh, this relates to our whole juggling koan and the delegation cast and delegation to the floor. This is how it's done. Again, it's not sexy, it's not pretty, but it's dang defective. And you know, some people assume that Mike and I learned a lot of this stuff in the military. Not so, but this is something you learn in the military. You learn that the guy next to you may not be there, and you have to know his or her job, and you have to be able to pick up for him or her, and you do it. And it's the way it was at Procter & Gamble. I know it's that way at GE. When somebody's gone, somebody has to fill in because the organizations are lean, and some stuff doesn't get done. And there's an assumption that another professional by your side will step in. And if you're wondering, should it be me? The answer is almost always yes. Volunteer and say, sure, I'll help. And yeah, basically, you've got a chip in the game, and your colleague owes you one. That's not to say that they're going to pay you back, and that would be a good lesson. People who owe you one and don't pay you back, you know, smile at people on your way up. Hopefully, they'll smile at you on the way up because you'll see them on the way back down, and you could wave at them and put them on the bubble for the next layoff. And again, this is how it's done. It's not pretty, and it works. And it seems mundane, and sometimes things that are mundane are important. 
plumbing isn't an exalted activity, but your pipes better hold water or you're going to have a mess. It's paid well, though, because it's really important. Yeah, because it's really important and there aren't that many of them. Yeah, yeah. So be helpful to your coworkers and reciprocity will help you. Not always, but a lot more. And having people owe you favors is generally a good career tool. Yeah. There's nothing like being able to do two jobs on your team when you want to be promoted. The more things you know how to do, the better you are. Okay, Wendy, wrap us up. Okay, so we had create a one-page summary, go over the log, go over the email, and be prepared to be there for the person for the next week. Sounds good. I mean, stressful. You're going to be doing more. But when you step up during times of stress, that helps the team, that helps the organization. That's what professionals do. Thanks, Wendy. Thanks. Bye, everyone. Thanks, everybody. Short but sweet. Hope you enjoyed it. Come back next week. 